Amen. If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 9. And uh, in just a moment, we'll, we'll begin with verse 11. So Hebrews chapter 9. And as you're turning there, uh, I want to share some really good news with you. Uh, most of you know that we are in a campaign right now to both get out of debt and to prioritize our efforts in making Christ known in all the earth. We're, we're calling that whatever it takes, and that's exactly what we're wanting to do, right? Do whatever it takes to make Christ known. So we continue to give toward ministries and mission organizations that uh, even we'll share more about that in on another day. But on this day, I wanted to hit uh, share with you about another milestone that we hit just this week. Um, because we were, because of your faithful giving, we were able to give an additional principal payment. And this week, uh, I just wanted us to celebrate that we are now under four million dollars officially. So we have three million nine hundred ninety-four thousand five hundred and thirteen dollars and fifty-two cents. So that I, I want you to know that may seem like still a lot of money, because it is, uh, but but we're talking about millions of dollars that we've already, like we're, we're intentionally doing this, tackling this so that we can do more for the glory of God in all the earth. That's, that's the idea. So that we're not kind of held back by this. So I'm urging you, pleading with you to continue to give in these faithful ways. Maybe even consider today how you might give additionally to continue to make this happen. This is a major milestone and a cause for us to rejoice. So now back to your regularly scheduled program, right? Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, I, am, uh, I, I have been eagerly anticipating this time today as I, as I was thinking of Jesus being the better sacrifice, right? And, and I, I think of that so much because of the, what, what the listeners here would have been hearing is different than what we hear now in some ways, right? What, what we're about to read in, in being reminded or maybe even being told for the first time, they would have heard that they, they no longer had to do what had been done for so long before. The, the work that was taking place in a sacrifice was done. And once and for all, we're going to see that taking place for them. And now, some 2,000 years later, for us. So, if you would, follow along with me as we start in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come... Then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with ashes of a heifer sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God to purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, 
He is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgression committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wood, oh, sorry, wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these uh, rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood that's not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Now stay with me. We're, we're going to keep going, but now into chapter 10. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me? In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure? Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in the sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service doing repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. 
the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their hands. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. That was a lot. But it's so important for us to get all of that picture in order that we can get to the end. So I want you to uh, look forward with me to the end, not because it means it will be over, but because we'll get to some really good stuff in just a minute. I want us to, to gather, though, as much information even about the past. So I want us to think about the past sacrifices. Right here at the beginning, right? Verse 18, right? Not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood, right? So, so think back with me to sacrifices of animals that had been taking place. Again, this is different for us. This is unusual for us. This isn't what we're normally thinking about. But even, there was an animal killed even right after Adam and Eve sinned, right? Whether or not that was actually an intentional sacrifice is debatable, but it was an animal sacrificed and they were clothed by that animal, right? This is where they get their clothing. Right after sin takes place, there's an animal that has to cover them up. Then you, you fast forward a little bit and you think about uh, the sacrifice really of celebration that takes place, place after Noah and his family are rescued uh, from the flood. Then you fast forward even more and you get to Abraham and there's something regular about sacrifice for him because then he's asked to sacrifice his own son, right? But then there is a replacement made, right? There's a ram caught in a thicket and so right there, right then, this, this ram takes the place of this, this boy. Then you, you fast forward even more and you get Moses leading the people out of Egypt and there were these 10 plagues and you get to this 10th plague. And so that's, that's where you see the work of the Passover taking place. And in that, then we begin to see sacrifices made in the tabernacle and then later in the temple. We've talked about that already, that right, Jesus is a better temple and, and Jesus is a better priest. So we've already seen that, that the, the things that were taking place in the temple or the tabernacle didn't have to take place anymore because we've got Jesus. And so it's been leading us to this point, to his, him being the sacrifice. In fact, I was thinking about uh, the, all of this through the lens of Hebrews, but uh, as, as we've been reading in our Bible reading plan, we're, we're seeing these things and uh, we're, we're, right now we're like wrapping up Deuteronomy. And so this, this Pentateuch is like all of that stuff, all of those sacrifices, a, a description of those and all of those things. And so this was my way to also say, uh, pick up your Bible reading plan for July. If you haven't done that, I am, I'm really actually, uh, I do a Bible reading plan every year, but this is the first time I've done this one. And about now we're halfway through and I'm really, really enjoying the way this is formatted. So uh, pick up yours on your way out and uh, continue to, to read God's word with us. When I think about these past sacrifices, though, there, there's got to be something really intentional, right? Why are all these animals dying? Like why, why is there the blood of bulls and goats and rams and doves and pigeons? Why is that? Why did Jesus have to die? That 
takes us to the purpose of sacrifice. And that, it's in one verse, and uh, Ernest shared that just a moment ago. Verse 22. In fact, I would encourage you, underline verse 22, put a star by it, circle it, do something. You see, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. That's, that's referring to the, the purification of, like, they would dip, uh, they would dip, uh, like, hyssop into blood, and then they would sprinkle that blood all over the, the room, so to speak, over the actual items. That was their way of cleansing them. This says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. You see, without Without the blood previously of bulls and goats and lambs and pigeons and and to all of those rules, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And that's, that's because of our own wickedness, right? Like we were even told that the punishment for sin is death. Something, someone had to die in order to, to cover over the, like that's a rightful punishment. And, and I think sometimes that gets lost on us because we don't enough see the blood being spilled. We don't, like, we haven't been to the temple or the tabernacle where, where there was a, a goat on the, the table. We haven't seen the blood pouring out. We haven't seen those, those items all covered in kind of, droppings of blood. We haven't seen that. We haven't visually looked upon that the broken body and the, the blood poured out on our behalf, on, as they would have. But that was the purpose of sacrifice was to cover over the sins of the people because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Now, I'm gonna rush to what I really think is the most exciting part. The perfection of sacrifice. You see, I've said this over and over, but if, if the temple was sufficient, we wouldn't have needed a better one. If the priest was sufficient, we wouldn't have needed a better one. And if those sacrifices were sufficient, Jesus would not have come. We would have just been living in that. That would have been sufficient. But look at, look at verses 13 and 14. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify the, for the purification of the flesh... How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more will will the blood of Christ purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You see, the, the, the goats and bulls and pigeons and doves certainly might have been without blemish, so to speak, without a spot on them without a dirty spot, without a a weird birthmark on them. But what we're talking about is the sinless, perfect, uh, like 
heavenly gift from the Father in his son Jesus. You know what that means for us? It means it is unnecessary for us to sacrifice anyone or anything ever again. Like this one person, this is the only one person that was needed. This means that we don't have to sacrifice a person. We don't have to bury them in a certain way. We don't have to cremate a person. We don't have to pray them out of purgatory. We don't have to put their ashes down a river. Like I remember uh, being in Nepal a few years ago and watching uh, as this one family uh, or friends of one man, they placed flowers over his body after he had died. And they, they laid him on this concrete slab next to a river. And they, they marched around him. And they, they chanted and sang. And then they, they burned the body. And they, they put his ashes in the river, hoping that this form of sacrifice would appease their false gods and would allow him to then return in reincarnation in some form better than what he was. And you might be thinking, well, that is absurd. But I need you to, to know that those kinds of beliefs are globally prevalent. Like that's a common thought. Nobody else there thought that was odd. That was their norm. In fact, like this was celebrated because he made it to the river. The places that we went, they don't, they don't get the chance to make it to the river. So they know it's not going to go well for them. Now, the reality is it's not going to go well for any of them apart from Jesus Christ. But that, that what a, I mean, we believe as a church, we believe as individuals that life on earth is more than just a reincarnated body of someone or something that came before us, right? We, we believe that it's more than that. We believe that life on earth certainly begins in the womb and has value from conception until the Lord providentially calls someone to their eternal home. That's what we believe. We, because we believe that life on earth is so valuable, we must care for those who made desperate decisions at desperate hours. We must not only step in and care for orphans, but we must care for their mothers and their fathers and their grandparents. We, we must care for those who feel hopeless and helpless. Because just like those people in, the, in Nepal who that was their hope, their best hope was that they would come back as something better. There are those who are making decisions that they just are hopeless. But we church have a better hope. We have a true hope to offer. So we as the church, we must stand boldly, not just on our Facebook feed or our Instagram posts, but in our clear 
and steady actions, actions that empty our pockets and rearrange our calendars and open our homes and offer our gifts to those who have no hope, to those who feel hopeless. It's because Jesus is better that we can see that there is hope for the hopeless. There is a true hope for that man in Nepal who sadly believes that if he is burned in just the right way and offered into the right river water, he will be taken care of in the next life. There is a true hope for the woman who chose to adopt, uh, chose to abort a baby because she was afraid of all that was coming her way and felt hopeless. So hear me. If that, if that was you, there is a better hope. Jesus is better than whatever your past sin is. No matter how dark, how secret, Jesus is better and his perfect sacrifice covers over you and covers your guilt. Just trust him. There is a true hope for the person maybe even in this room who relies on their own goodness. Like you say, well, I'm not that, that person in Nepal or I'm not that person at the abortion clinic, but you're just relying on your own self that you're gonna be righteous enough, you're gonna be good enough, you're gonna have put enough offering in the offering plate, you're gonna have prayed enough prayers. And I want you to know that Jesus didn't come to die assuming that you could then work your way in. Jesus came to die because you couldn't. So we are reminded today that there is a hope for those who trust in this one sacrifice. His name is Jesus. His name does mean that Yahweh saves. In fact, what makes this sacrifice so perfect is that Jesus was perfect, is perfect. And it only took one time. Right, so this one person, one time. I want you to look at this. Repeatedly, it gives us this indicator. This would have been so significant for them, and it is so significant for us. Verse 12, he entered once for all. Verses 25 through 28, the, the previously, the priest offered himself repeatedly, entering the holy places every year, but not with blood of his own. This would have happened. But now he has appeared once the end of the ages, chapter 10, verse 1. Uh, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. But in 10, 10, it says, By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 12, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice. Verse 14, for by a single offering, for there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. This was enough. Jesus Christ, his death was sufficient. There doesn't have to be more. You you don't have to keep killing lambs and goats and bulls, and you don't have to perpetually kill Jesus. And you might think, well, that's, 
that's weird that you would say perpetually kill Jesus. Of course we wouldn't do that. There is a faith that actually believes that. So this is, what, this is why we do not believe in what's called transubstantiation. This is the belief that the Catholic faith holds. They believe that the wine that is taken in communion actually becomes the blood of Jesus as they take it. They believe that the, br the bread actually becomes the body because they believe that Jesus is dying over and over and over again. It's also why Jesus is still on the cross that they call the crucifix. And you see that hanging up? That's why. Because it's, he's continually needed to cover their sin. But yet this text reminds us that we truly only need one time. He was perfect. Therefore, his sacrifice was sufficient for all time. So in a few minutes, when we partake in the Lord's Supper, it will not be that the bread actually becomes his body or that the blood, I mean, or that the juice becomes actually his blood. Instead, it will be that visual reminder. Remember how earlier I said, sometimes we don't remember it enough because we don't see the, the dripping of blood on all of the items. We don't actually see the, the blood pouring out from the sacrificed animal. It's because Jesus gave us a new picture. Jesus gave us his meal. He gave us this supper as that visual reminder. So we don't have to see it in another way. We don't have to see blood pouring out from a goat or a pigeon. We can see this fruit of the vine and think, that is his blood poured for me. We can see that bread and we can say, that is his body broken for me. Before we get to that moment, I want you to note one other passage in, in this text. Verse 28. See, there was one person and one time, and now we will see that there is one return. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. You know, those that are eagerly waiting for him are waiting for him because we trust in him. And some of us, some of us potentially in this room today have never trusted in Jesus. You're still assuming that you can work your way there. You're still assuming that you can give enough or pray enough or, you know, maybe it's just one of those things I'll do later. And yet there's been a, an, a sacrifice given on your behalf that all that is required of you is your complete surrender. You say, well, all that's required is my complete surrender. Sounds like a lot. It's only a lot if what you got on the other end wasn't very much. But what we get on the other end is life. 
You see, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And so when we turn away from our sin and our self and our hope and our own plans, we turn away from that and we trust in Jesus that his sacrifice was enough for us, then no matter what your past sin was, no matter how bad, no matter how hard, no matter how current it is, you can trust that Jesus will forgive you of your sins. Because yeah, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, but take heart, there was shedding of blood. Once and for all, Jesus' death on the cross was enough. And the reason we know it was enough was because he conquered death and the grave when he came back to life, proving to us that we can trust his promise. So I'm, I'm urging you even today to call out to the Lord. Turn, we call that repentance, turn away from your sin and trust in Jesus. And for those of us who are his children, this should be a, a, a like twofold, right? This should cause us to confess sin that is still happening. Like he's already died for that. So we should confess and say, God, I'm sorry that I, I keep I keep dropping the ball. I keep sinning. I keep falling short. I need you again. I, I don't need you to die again. But I need you to draw me back again. And we should celebrate. We should rejoice that he has forgiven you of your sins and is going to take you to eternity. We don't have to worry about reincarnation. We don't have to worry about whether or not we'll go to heaven or hell. We don't have to worry about the next life because we can live confidently that Jesus has already made a way for us. So it's a day of celebration. So what, what we're gonna do in just a moment, I'm gonna call the deacons to come forward to, to pass out the, the elements of the Lord's Supper. And if you are a follower of Christ, then I wanna encourage you that as those elements are passed, I want you to take a moment, maybe even as you're holding the bread in your hand, to, to confess sin before God, to thank God for his broken body and his spilled blood for you. If you are not, though, a follower of Christ, you have never turned away from your sin and trusted in Jesus, I want to ask you to simply observe our participation. The, the table is open whether or not you are a member of Colonial Heights but it is not open to those who are not saved. Scripture tells us that it is supposed to be taken in a worthy manner. So I would just tell you, if, if, if there are things you still need to work out, it's okay for the plate just to simply pass you. There's no judgment from us in that. Maybe you just need to take an extra minute, and that's okay. But as we do this, remember the once for all sacrifice that is sufficient for your salvation. This is that picture for us. Deacons, if you'll come forward at this time.
I'm gonna pray for us and then I'll have the men pass these out. Father God, we do pray your blessing over this time. We ask God that you would remind us of your broken body and your son's broken body and his blood spilled for us. May we rejoice in that marvelous gift, sacrifice for us on our behalf. Remind us of your grace in this moment. We pray this in your son's name, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it 
and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, 
When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Church family, we have much to celebrate. There was a sacrifice made for us that we have just even participated in remembering and rejoicing over. So I invite you to stand with us now as we sing of the praises of our God in worship. <laughs> 